0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Redeeming Productivity Show. This is the podcast that helps Christians get more done and get it done like Christians. And I'm your host, Reagan Rose. Well, I'm recording this as we're about to step into a holiday weekend for the 4th of July here in America. And I thought I'd do something a little bit different today. Um, Instead of covering kind of a topic about productivity or interviewing someone on it, I thought I would kind of give my testimony about how I came to know the Lord and also about why, uh, I'm actually interested in personal productivity and specifically that it come from the Bible. Uh, and it really ties in with my testimony. Um, this is on my mind because, uh, recently had the opportunity in my church, Grace Community Church to record a, uh, record my testimony. So I've been thinking through how I wanted to, uh, tell the story. And, uh, so all of that's just fresh in my mind. I thought it would make a good episode and kind of help you guys get to know me a little bit better. Um, before we get into that, just a quick reminder, if you're not signed up for the newsletter, oh my goodness, you're making a huge mistake. You need to do that. So check out uh, the newsletter. There's a link in the description for this in your podcast player. Or you can just go to redeemingproductivity.com newsletter. There you'll get a twice weekly uh, email from me uh, on the one on Wednesday. Kind of I'll have a few thoughts in there at the beginning. And I'll also be linking to the latest blog post and some other things. And then also on Friday, I do a feature called Reagan's Roundup in which i share you some links about what's happening on the web they're really just uh, links that i think will be helpful in your journey to become a more productive christian so do check that out and also a special thank you once again to my patreon supporters Uh, it's nice to see each week um, getting another one or two here and there and that is just so encouraging Uh, it helps offset The costs and the great time cost of putting these together. So thank you, especially to you people who um, are throwing a little bit of money in the hat there to help me keep going. Appreciate you. And if you're interested in becoming a Patreon supporter, you can just go to patreon.com slash redeeming prod. Or again, there is a link in the description. Okay, let's get personal. So if you're new to the podcast, my name, or, or if you didn't listen to the intro, my name is Reagan Rose. I am a, a husband of one, father of one. Uh, Kimberly Rose is my wife and Watson Thomas is my son, I also have a dog. I live here in Southern California. I work for a ministry called Grace to You, which is the Bible teaching ministry of Pastor John MacArthur. We broadcast Pastor John's Uh, over 50 years of sermons all around the world via radio and specifically I work in the digital platforms department and help to disseminate the that teaching through the internet and uh, I live here in California because I moved here to come to seminary in 2014 I came to the master's seminary and in 2017 I graduated with my master divinity degree with the intention of um doing pastoral ministry, which I'm not doing right now, but I am doing internet ministry. But all that's to say, I wanted to kind of tell you guys how I got here, how the Lord has been faithful in my life, not only to draw me to himself, uh, lead me to repentance of my sin um, and faith in Jesus Christ, but then kind of some of the things along the way that have influenced my thinking, about how um a christian should live what what uh where our source of authority is as christians and why i really care so much about personal productivity for christians and especially that it be rooted in the word of god so let's start at the very beginning a very good place to start so i'm uh very blessed in that the lord um placed me in a family that were believers both my parents were believers and they were in a strong bible teaching church and so that's what i was born into and so i very frequently heard the gospel um even from a young age uh proclaimed from the pulpit in the church in sunday school classes and in my own home and so I had that wonderful benefit of being just constantly bombarded by the truth that Jesus Christ is the solution to our sin problem that he um came uh, as a man to earth 2000 years ago. He lived a perfectly righteous life. He fulfilled the requirement that God had for us, which was to be perfect, to be perfectly obedient, in which we fell short on. Uh, and by placing your faith in Jesus Christ, uh, repenting of your sin, you can be forgiven in God's eyes, declared righteous before him on account of Christ's righteousness and, uh, be adopted into his family and inherit eternal life. And so I'd heard that many, many times and I had been, um, you know as a as a boy who were my my family were believers and people in church i'd ask my parents repeatedly you know hey i uh i think i want to become a christian you know and they would kind of grill me make sure i understood and often they would just or you know up until this point they had told me um no we don't we don't think you understand it yet we don't think that you are actually ready but I distinctly remember one night. I believe it was after an evening uh, Sunday service, and I'd heard the gospel again. And the kids were all in bed, and I was laying in my my room on the bed, just thinking about that and praying, and realizing, okay, I think I get it. I think that I understand, and I think that, I think that the Lord is convicting me. In hindsight, you know, that's how I'm thinking about it now. And so I tip toed downstairs, um, interrupt my parents who were watching television. And I talked to them and I said, you know, I think I'm ready. And they, they ran me through the grill again, you know, and, uh, asking me, making sure I understood, making sure that I, you know, was, was not just doing this out of peer pressure or a desire to conform and thusly satisfied. They, um, prayed with me. They explained the gospel once more. And I believe that that was when I was converted. Um, even now, in hindsight, as an adult and as someone who, you know, did, and I'll explain it a little bit here, but did experience some um, wandering uh, in, in my young adult years, I I do believe that was when I was converted because I see the, the pattern of fruit since then. And, you know, Jesus said, let the little children come to me. And I came as a child and, um, the Lord has been since then just amazingly faithful to me, even, um, in the midst of a lot of confusion. And uh, let me explain. So, so the very next year after I had been converted, um, the Lord saw fit to to bring a trial upon my family. And it was in the form of my father, um, basically he, he, he left under the pretense of going on a business trip and never came back. He, He ended up taking his own life and it was a shock to my family, obviously, and especially to my mother who was left to raise three, uh, young children all by herself. And if you have ever, if you've ever, if you're someone who's grown up without a parent and especially, I think, um, young men without a father, there's just a level of confusion that comes with that of, you know, especially as you're growing up and getting older and trying to figure out what it means to be a man, to not have a father in your life to model that and to kind of help you through those things. It's just, it's just hard. It's, it's harder. Um, and so you do stupid stuff, you know, <laughs> uh, you and, and, you know, just speaking, um, more broadly, you know, there are people that, that are pointing this out, that in society as a whole, fatherlessness is a big problem. Uh, and also often you can see a correlation between fatherless homes and, and crime and drug use and things like that. And it's no surprise um, for someone who has who has lived through it. It's no surprise. You're just kind of unmoored without a father, especially young men. So I am just... Uh, amazingly thankful as I think on all of the people the Lord brought into my life to be sort of, um, masculine father figures to me, especially Christians, you know, people in the church. Um, and it was different people in different times. And that I think was, uh, his way of, you know, keeping me, um, to the old paths and making sure that I didn't wander off into my uh, youthful confusion. So, um, my mother never remarried. Uh, so I let's fast forward a little bit. Uh, I go to high school, get into college, and that was where I, you know did some some foolish things and really uh, treaded right up to the line of apostasy. And if you're not familiar, the word apostasy is uh, you know walking away from from the faith. And now I, I believe that, uh, true believers cannot walk away from the faith. I think it's made clear in, in first John that, um, those who went out from us were not really of us, that when, when someone leaves the faith, when walks away from Jesus Christ permanently, it's because they weren't really a believer because, uh, conversion is a miracle. Uh, when you become a Christian, you are actually transformed. It's not a reversible process. Nevertheless, uh, through disobedience and uh, unrepentant sin, people can very much uh, look like unbelievers that are true believers for a season. The trick is, do you come back? And when I went to college, what I, I became involved in a church, and <laughs> you would think uh, of all things that a church wouldn't be the thing that led me into um, wandering from the Lord, uh, and into unrepentant sin, but it was not a good church. And this is, this is, uh, really how I came to, uh, be so, um, just to have such a high, high, high view of scripture, uh, now. And it's because of my experience at this bad church. So basically here's what happened. I go to college in West Michigan. There is, uh, at the time, uh, something that called the Emerging Church Movement. You may have read about this or been aware of it at the time. And it was these cool churches that were cropping up, and they were basically a uh, response to the seeker-sensitive church movement. Um, but really, they were basically the same thing. They just wore skinny jeans <laughs> and had fully embraced postmodernism. And so I was at the uh, the church of a really a well-known person uh, in this movement was the pastor of it. And I didn't really know I was walking into at all. I just thought, man, oh, finally a church that's cool. You know, <laughs> like I can be a Christian and uh, it's also, you know, they're doing things that, that you know, <laughs> lighting candles or, um, you know, just dressing cool. You, you know, like you're, you're, you're um, you know, like a college kid and just trying to fit in. And anyway, I was an idiot, still am in a lot of ways. But basically I walked into this thing thinking that it was a normal church. It wasn't a normal church. What they did week after week was undermine the authority of the Bible, but they didn't do it in a direct way. They didn't say, you know, the Bible is not the word of God. They didn't say, um, you know, you can't really trust everything in the Bible. They did it with subtle things. Like I remember one week, um, the pastor talking about Genesis one and he was saying, well, here in Genesis one, at the very beginning of the Bible, we have this beautiful poem and it's about how God feels about creation. And we read this, we can understand how he feels about what he's made. And at the time I was like, oh, interesting. We're talking about Genesis one. But what he was really getting at by when he was saying it's a poem and it's about how God feels about his creation and all this, he was in a sly, subtle way. He was implying that it wasn't true. (laughs) And I see that now, but at the time I just, I I didn't have my ears up for it. Um, and the, the other thing they did that, which kind of permeated all of the teaching in any of the books, if you, you read by this person, I'll just tell you who it is, you'll figure it out. It's Rob Bell. I went to Rob Bell's church and. There is basically the doubt is cast as a virtue. It's even sort of supplemented. It's basically doubt is elevated as faith like to to doubt things is 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 a good thing that you don't you don't just embrace everything and God likes doubt that that's kind of like the underlying message. And like I said, it was rooted in post-modernity. so this idea that you couldn't know absolute truth. Um, but the way it came out, often in, in the, uh, church and in the writings was kind of undermining the clarity of scripture or, um, you know, theologians call it the perspicuity of scripture, but really the, the understandability of the Bible. So they would say, okay, I can read the Bible, right? And they would, you know, they would teach out of the Bible, but they would say things like, well, you know, there's a lot of different interpretations of this passage. You know, lots of theologians disagree, or they bring up, do you know how many denominations they are and they all believe different things and there's different streams of Christianity. And so instead of kind of coming down on one side of an issue or another, they would kind of leave it always open-ended and they would say things like, well, you know, you can't really know what the Bible means. Cause you're just a human, you're just a, 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 a finite person and God's so big. And so they'll cast it in terms of like humility and arrogance. They would say, it's so, it would be arrogant for you to say that, you know, what the Bible means by what it says, you know, only God knows that. Why would you, why would you claim that you could know for sure that the Bible means this? And so, like I said, it's undermining whether I can actually know the Bible or not. And that kind of indirect assault on the authority of scripture led to some very, um, I think logical conclusions in my sinful mind. And that was that if I can't really understand it, God can't hold me accountable for it. And that provided exactly the doorway that I needed to justify, um, sin that I wanted to commit. Right. And so I began living in a, um, kind of a, a pattern it was you know there was repentance involved but it was this repetition of of going with un, unrepentant sin and then repenting and then going back into it and kind of always in the back of my mind thinking well this is okay because um you know one i'm under grace and two really this is how i excused it how can i really know that this was wrong i know the bible says you know lust is wrong i know the bible says lying is wrong i know the bible says that but do I really understand the nuance of it? You know? So, um, you can see, I hope, how cancerous that type of teaching from this church was to my faith. And, and I, I don't try to lay all the blame on that. I mean, I completely blame myself. I was a rebellious, um, person who was, who was wandering from God and I knew better. I knew better. I'd been trained better. But, uh, nevertheless, that's why I am so, um, I still abhor the, um, that the people that, to try to undermine the clarity of scripture and try to obscure it. It's a cancer to the soul for a Christian. So l- let me kind of bring you up to today. And then I want to talk a little bit about why a couple of things from that testimony, from my experiences through this, that have really brought me to where I am, uh, today, my thinking about productivity and, and, and uh, in and the Bible So uh, I leave college, I finish, uh, and I go back to the east side of Michigan where I'm from. Uh, I'm driving around one day, and I'm listening to the radio. So thankfully, you know, in God's uh, great mercy towards me, he had gotten me out of that church just by having me graduate and move back home. Uh, So I wasn't in that environment anymore, but I still was pretty confused about what had happened (laughs) there, and I I was pretty messed up by it. And in fact, before I get to the driving around in the car part, there was another uh, incident that occurred where I was at a conference um, that was really, I didn't know it at the time. I'm not sure any of us that went to it understood that a lot of it was very uh, steeped in emerging uh, church type thought, a lot of the people there. And it all sort of came to, to a head there, uh, in my thinking uh, as I was being bombarded by this stuff for, I don't remember how many days the conference was, but I remember sitting down on the floor of the exhibitors hall. So, you know, when you go to a conference, there's like booths and stuff and people are hawking their wares. Um, so it was at that part of the conference and I had been looking through it and I would just been thinking, 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 you know, if this stuff's true, if I can't trust the Bible, if I can't know what it means, how do I know? How do I know that Jesus died for my sins? How do I know that God's even real? How do I know I'm real? You know, like, like all those like crazy philosophical questions. And I call it now that basically what the emerging church did to me was perform an epistemological lobotomy. It, it, it absolutely twisted my understanding of how I can know anything and undermined even that you could know anything at all for sure, because it removed the only authority that Christians have, you know, the final court of appeals, which is the word of God, it removed the uh, dependability of that in my thinking. And so I slumped down onto the floor, under this carpet um, against the, the cinder block wall. And I just put my head down. I was like, Lord, I don't know what to think. I don't even know like how this all fits together. Should I even be praying? You know, and so, you know, some people talked to me about that, that had come on the conference and I had some good conversations, but really nobody, um, I think was equipped to answer some of the things that I was thinking through because they didn't understand all the background that had gone into it. So, uh, without any resolution, I left that conference, went home and I don't remember the time gap, but these things were resting, not resting, (laughs) they were stirring heavily in my mind. And then, uh, uh, one day I was driving in my car and I think that I was going around. Um, I think I was working, uh, but at any rate, it doesn't matter. I was in the car and I had the radio on and I was flipping through the channels and I landed on Christian radio. And that's where I heard John MacArthur. So if you remember, if if you're not familiar with John MacArthur, that's the church I'm at now in California. John MacArthur's affiliated with the seminary I went to, and Grace to You, where I work, uh, is the ministry of John MacArthur. So (laughs) you'll see how this all came full circle in the end. But this was kind of, I think, probably my first introduction to uh, Pastor John MacArthur. I turn it on, there's a guy on the radio, and he is preaching, obviously, and he's explaining what the Bible means. And I hear it and I thought to myself, how arrogant is this guy? He's thinking to tell me what the Bible means, right? Cause I mean, this is my train. This is what I had been told is that anyone who claimed to be able to tell you what the Bible means, uh, you know, authoritatively, they're arrogant because they're not humble enough to admit that no one can know what the Bible means, <laughs> right? And so I'm hearing this and I'm thinking, wow, this is exactly what they warned me about, but I kept listening. And I listened for days and days and days. He'd come come on at the same time and I'd listen more. Um, And then I got into listening uh, on the website and just digging in because this is just a guy who all he was doing was explaining what the Bible meant and he was arguing for it. And that's what was so interesting to me is he would, he would, Whittle down to how a past, exactly what a passage meant. You know, he, he might say, some people might say this, some people might say this, and then he'd make an argument for why, you know, position X didn't work and position Y didn't work and why it had to be position Z. And by the end of it, you were convinced. And then we would read your Bible. You were like, oh, of course, that's the only way it makes sense. And basically what I was witnessing was somebody who actually believed that God's word was not only authoritative, that it was understandable, that it was clear that God, when he, um, when he revealed himself, he did it successfully. And in fact, one of the quotes I, I love from pastor John is he said, God's word is a revelation, not an obfuscation. He hasn't given us a word that uh, we can't understand. What would be the point of that? No, he's given us uh, a Bible that, that uh, some of it requires hard, hard study to, to understand, but you can understand it and you can walk away with a confident, uh, belief that yes, this is what this passage means. And that was exactly what I needed to hear. It was exactly what I needed to hear. Um, because what it was is a reaffirmation of what I'd grown up learning and what I'd kind of dismissed in my arrogance of saying, oh, they don't get it. They're not in a cool church. You know, these cutting edge skinny jean boys, they know, they know what, what it means to be a Christian, you know, and and they know how to do it in a cool way that society will like. So, uh, listening to him repeatedly just kind of, God used that to reground me in the, uh, the authority of scripture and the understandability of it. So after that, that basically put me on a course to, uh, teach God's word to people. I, I became uh, obsessed with it, I, with studying the Bible and with, uh, wanting to tell others what it meant and to proclaim the gospel. And for a while, you know, I mentioned I was saved as a child. For a while, I thought, well, maybe that was when I was really converted. So I won't get into it now about why I came to the conclusion that that was not uh, my conversion, but basically just um, the Lord um, getting me back on, on track. But that was basically, it almost felt like that because it was just this re-energizing, uh, confidence in the word of God. Cause that really would, what had happened. My confidence in the Bible had been, uh, tipped. So i started doing, uh, I started just going to a local college campus and proclaiming the gospel there, talk, talking to students. I started Bible studies, ended up after a couple of years being uh, working as the college minister at my church and just teaching the Bible week after week, working our way through Romans, um, just talking through Genesis, <laughs> like just trying to my best of my ability to teach the word of God and to show people what the Lord had shown me that, man, it's all here. It's all here. What we need is in the Bible. Um, and that ended up leading me to, uh, to seminary. And there's a whole story there about God's providence uh, to my family and, and getting me here. It's pretty unbelievable. But uh, I led to seminary, which uh, led to me eventually, where I am now, working for grace to you. Which is just so crazy to me because it's like everything came full circle, where the John MacArthur's teaching was the Lord used in my life. Um, and now I get to be really right on the, the front lines of helping to get that to other people who may be in similar situations that I was in that need to hear somebody confidently proclaim the Word of God and show that it's clear, it's understandable, and that uh, you know it, it is from God. So that's, that's kind of my, my testimony, you know, there's, there's always more detail you could put in it, but that's pretty a long version of it. And I'll just kind of tell you here briefly before I wrap up, what is it from that, that led me to want to do redeeming productivity? Why is it that I care about a Christian approach to productivity? And I think there's basically two things. One is having losing someone, losing my father at such a young age, put death into my mind. Um, that sounds morbid because I guess it literally is the definition of morbid, <laughs> but even as a, a child, I understood death and loss and really the brevity of life. And that was something that has never left me. It's always been in the back of my mind that the people in our lives and our own lives could end in any moment. And that puts an urgency to everything we do. And uh, that means that it matters what you do today. It matters what you do today because you're not promised anything beyond that. So, uh, and the Bible affirms this as well, you know, that, that our, our days are brief, that we're like a hands breath, uh, that we're like a vapor. So that w- that has lodged my, my mind so deeply that I must be productive today. And then the Lord rerouting me in the word of God and specific, I talk about the clarity of scripture, but the sufficiency of scripture as well too, that God, he hasn't only given a revealed himself in the word in a way that we can understand. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. That's what it says. Um, and now obviously, you know, it doesn't tell you how to change the motor oil on your car, but what you need to live a Christian life that's pleasing to the Lord is in this book, the Bible. And if it's sufficient, my reason that, well, I'll say it this way. I know that God wants me to bear much fruit, says that in John 15. I know that he wants me to do good works. I know as a Christian, he has prepared in advance me good works to walk in. Um, Ephesians 2.10. So knowing that that's true, that part of what God wants from me is to live a quote-unquote productive life in that I am doing those things, which are pleasing to him, and which glorify him. Then I know that what I need in order to do that can be found in the scriptures, that it's sufficient, that th- those things are aspects of life and godliness, which he has prepared me for using his word. And so those are kind of the two factors that I, I think, I mean, I'm sure there's lots more. Our experiences shape us in ways we don't understand, but those are the two things that I see most prominent that, makes me see the urgency for each day, giving it your all with, with having a plan with trying to use your life in a way that's going to count on the eternal timeline. Like I mentioned at great. I'm at grace to you. Do you know why I'm there? I'm there not just because it's a job. I'm there because it's a mission. I want people to hear what I heard. I want people to hear a Bible teacher. They may not have access to that in, in wherever they are. I want them to hear a Bible teacher who's going to explain the word of God and, and defend it and just proclaim it. And I want them to hear that truth. And if I can be even a small cog in that machine of helping people to, to hear God's word, man, I want to do that. I want to do that as well as I possibly can and as productively as I possibly can. And so that's why I make this podcast. That's why I I produce the blog posts and the videos and and all that stuff is I want you to live a productive Christian life. I want you to bring God the most glory you possibly can while you're on this planet. And so I'm committed to continuing to try to help to uh, inspire you to do that and give you resources to do that um, because that's uh, just how the Lord has wired me through all these things but I think that's long enough. Um, so let me wrap up there. Thanks for listening. Uh, I hope that this was somehow encouraging to you. I just thought it might be cool to give a little bit more of myself and, and why I'm, I'm about what I'm about. And, uh, thank you. Yes. Thank you for listening. I will see you again here next week, but until then in whatever you do, do it well and do it all to the glory of God.